Chryso. It's Friday, it's one o'clock in Port of Spain, and it's time for a Trinidad special edition of Dragonheart. Dean Keats still hasn't heard if he's going to be punished for the red card he received 10 days ago. This isn't hugely surprising as football's the only industry which still uses fax machines. Geraint Parry's keeping a daily watch from his office window to see if the FAW disciplinary pigeon is heading towards the racecourse. Let's go through that red card. Wrexham were attacking and trying to score a goal. Dean Keats went to fetch the ball and it went out for a Wrexham throw-in so that we could get back on the attack quickly. An Eastley player ran off the pitch to stop him giving the ball to a Wrexham player and butted him and Dean Keats got sent off. Perhaps our gesture of giving a crate of aviation gin to the officials before each match is starting to backfire on us. Keats's touchline bust-up has put the wind up our opponents though. On Tuesday, Notts County realised their next league game was against Wrexham and sacked their manager. On Wednesday, Bromley realised their next league game was against Wrexham and sacked their manager. I assume they're both appointing welterweights as caretakers when they play us. Did I expect Notts County to sack their manager? Hardly. This is a special edition, all about Wrexham's Trinidad connections. We have an extended interview with the legend that is Carlos Edwards. We'll chat about him and the other six soccer warriors who played for us and we'll remember their remarkable 2006 World Cup campaign. So, grab yourself a rum, select a VS Naipaul novel, I recommend a house for Mr Bizwas, and crank up the soccer chutney. It's time for Trini Hearts! I'm Elliot Dorrell, and you're listening to the Dragonheart Radio Show. Yes, so welcome to Dragonheart, and not just any Dragonheart, it's our special Trinidad edition. Those of you watching on video will notice we're in a classroom. Yeah, we've moved out of the cop toilets, it's an upgrade, um, but at least I've still got my Wrexham mask on, and Che, because yes, look, there's Che over there, has got a, a, a particularly appropriate t-shirt on, so well played. Yeah, yeah. got it from Amazon the other week, so... Fantastic, <laughs> brilliant. Right, Trini Madness, the Trinidadians, I mean, it's... it's well, before we say anything else, I suppose, isn't it great that we've got this link with the little island in the Caribbean? And I think, in a way, this shows how football can create cultural links, if you like, because I think it's fair to say that Wrexham fans consider themselves to be sort of honorary Trinidadians almost, don't they? Yeah, and it's so uniquely Wrexham as well, and it's such a... At the time of when the, these lads were playing for us, it was such a unique bond, and it, it felt like it was everyone who was a Wrexham fan was their second national team, wasn't it? Uh, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. I mean, it was, and it's such a nice... A uh, positive thing as well, I think. Yeah. You know, at a time now where we see people wanting to close borders and reject people who aren't from where they come from, uh, here we have a lovely example of how it was just exciting to yeah. welcome people from the other sides of the world uh, with enthusiasm, and that their enthusiasm, well, was exactly the same as ours, wasn't it? Exactly, exactly. And, the, and the, they really engross themselves in the mm. town and the town's culture and it, it's 
It's probably quite an important part of Wrexham's history too, isn't it? Having Trinidad and Tobago players playing for Wrexham and how they love to come in here. So I think it says a lot about us too. I think that's right, actually. I think that's something which people downplay or don't realise enough. Football clubs are part of a local community's fabric. And when you get something like this, it is relevant. It's, it's like the Scottish guys coming down to mine. Uh, it's like the Polish soldiers coming in. Uh, during the Second World War, uh, fighting as a resistance and, and creating northern enclaves, which means that we end up with uh, Eddie Nedzwieski and Remy Elcherek and uh, Wayne Chigielski in the 70s and 80s playing for us, who have wonderfully Polish names, but are Welsh. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's, it yeah. is part of our social history that we got a link with the Caribbean just because of footy. Yeah, and they're some of our finest players we've ever had too. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. In any uh, list of the best players of the century for Wrexham, these yeah. guys are going to be knocking on the door, aren't they? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, let's get into specifics, shall we? Started off in 2000. And the first two to arrive, of course, are Carlos Edwards and Hector Sam. Uh, the, their arrival and also, I mean, the subsequent ones is partly due to a relationship with an agent who I think... I'm 90% sure about this, so please don't shoot me down. Um, it was Joey Jones's cousin, I believe, right. and there were links there. And so we were amenable to, to looking at players, bringing them in. And so Carlos and Hector turn up. Our first game of the season is a bit of a, a troubled one because their problems are kicking off off the pitch. Yeah. We lose at home to Bristol City and they're not able to make an impact. But then we go to Berry. Oh, and they make an impact. Yeah. Carlos tears them to pieces. Hector scores a goal after 17 minutes. We batter them 4-1. And then Hector goes off on a scoring spree at the start of the season that really you know, gets him kick-started. So he gets, is it one, two, three? Just realising I forgot to write it down. Four, five, six, seven goals in his first eight games. And he's absolutely on fire. So Hector Sam and Carlos Edwards arrive. It's their qualities on the pitch and it's also their enthusiasm off it, isn't it? Yeah, so what was the feel around the fans when we sang two random Trinidadians, really? Well, I think it was terrific. People were terrifically excited. I mean, it's not just the fact they've come from a very different part of the country. It's also that they... You know, how many non-British players had Wrexham had previously? Frankly, not that many. You know, I mean, I mean non-British players in British football in general. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying it's a new thing, but it was you know, relatively S new. Especially at that level. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it's really sort of late 90s when you really get decent players coming into Britain. Exactly. The more foreign um, players would be Irish, wouldn't they? Yeah, or, oh, totally. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, even French, which is, I know it's not that yeah. far away. but Not, not that many French players. No, so I suppose, I say, yeah. Until, yeah, I'd say until, yeah, late 80s, early 90s, yeah. I think probably is a fairer. Maybe, no, maybe later than that. I'm just going to put a finger on this. It's, it's mid-90s, maybe, I would say, when really it becomes the norm. And Klinsman goes to Tottenham. Yeah. And it's like a jaw-dropping signing because this guy's an actual proper world star. And he's come to Britain. Um, and yeah, I would say that... Yes, really, that it, it's, it's exotic from Brexton's point of view, anyway, to have any player who's not from Britain or Ireland. Um, everybody was really fascinated. I remember going to... <laughs> this sounds so sad. I'm going to feel so old now. I remember going to a library to check on this fancy new internet thing 
about them to see whether I could learn more because the information was a bit basic. Um, and in fact, I'll prove to you how much it was a bit basic. It, some newspapers, because that's what we were relying on, talked about Hector Sam. Some talked about Sam Hector. They weren't even getting his name wow. Um And I remember looking on the, the Trinidad football website, which was loading incredibly slowly in a library. I didn't have the internet. Um, the pictures didn't load up even, but I was able to read a little bit about them. Wow. Um, so it was, there was a real sense of, of mystery about it, I, I would say. I'm assuming these guys have played for other clubs prior to Wrexham, but who were they? Do you have any idea? In Trinidad. Yeah, so, in Trinidad. So, so, for example, so really, not at a particularly high level. Um, there was, they were internationals already, or they wouldn't have got their work permits. But then Trinidad, okay, as we'll get to, they do get to the World Cup. But they weren't uh, seen as a traditional football country at all. I mean, at the time, they were the smallest team ever to get to the World Cup. Exactly, and it's like Brian Lara they've they've had in cricket. So around that area of the world, it's a lot of cricket being played as well. I think they do love their football in Trinidad, don't they, compared to the other Caribbean islands. But yeah, it's so so unique that we had these guys come in and they made such an impact as well. I think Carlos Edwards, you could. You could argue he's one of the best players we've had in a long, long time, mm. isn't he? Wasn't he? I mean, he was versatile and he was positive. He had so many fantastic qualities. And he started off then playing yes, as, as a winger, essentially, in a 4-4-2. And he, he really um, establishes himself, I would say, so close to Wrexham players' fans' hearts. At the start of next season, I'm not saying we didn't love him then, but he does something phenomenal in a home game against Colchester, where we basically... <laughs> it, the first season, they do well. Mm -hmm. um, Sam doesn't score as much after that initial burst. Carlos establishes himself as, as a good player. It's a side of good players. Falkenbridge up front's a reliable striker, Ferguson. We've got, you know, we've got Mark McGregor. We've got the, you know, yeah. the, the, the basics still, some of them, of the, that team from the 90s. Um, and we do all right that season. We win the Welsh Premier Cup, as we always did. Yeah. Um, but the next season, there's problems. Because Brian Flynn isn't given funds to build his squad. And, uh, I, I, OK, it's fair to say there may be a suggestion here of deciding they want a different manager and we're going to maybe starve him of funds a little bit. There wasn't much money to go around as well. We start the season with two very young goalkeepers and no right-back. Of any at, at all, no right back. He's been trying to bring players in, and then t had Jim Whitley and um, S Mark Stowell, something Stowell, Bristol City keeper, uh, on trial, and it was announced we were signing them both. And then he suddenly told us no money. So we start that season in a mess, yeah. and we start badly. He goes, Dennis Smith comes in, but before then, Carlos has this moment to say, "Then Colchester at home." Um, Carlos is already a, a figure who's loved. Just on the stroke of half time, we're losing 1 0 home to Colchester. Martin Chalk goes diving in with a crazy tackle, gets sent off. We're down to 10 men and we're a goal down at half time. Start of the second half, Darren Ferguson, um, a player goes past him. Ferguson grabs his shirt, pulls him back, definite yellow. He kicks the ball at the referee, you're off. We're down to 9 men now wow. and 1 0 down with most of the second half to go. 
Colchester, to be frank, and I dug out this video, I had a quick look at it just, just to make sure my facts were correct. My recollection was correct. Colchester are one up and on top, and they're not actually playing with a huge amount of urgency. I think they think, yeah, we've got two men extra, we're all right here. But then unfortunately for them, Carlos gets the ball on the edge of our area, runs the length of the pitch, and then from about 25 yards, yeah. drills it in the top corner. We've, it gets voted goal of the season. And they then get frantic, Colchester, but they can't get a breakthrough, and we draw one all. And that, wow. Carlos Edwards just taking them on and running straight through, that really, you know, was what, I think, really made people fully appreciate him as, as a class act as well as a very wholehearted player. Well, of course, he went on to play in the Premier League, didn't he? Exactly. Later yeah, on in his yeah. career. You, I think everyone in the stands at the race course knew that he was of that calibre, mm. and he was probably maybe too good for the leagues he was playing in, really, wasn't he? And yeah, he, yeah. He had everything, didn't he? And it's pace, and he had a good shot on him at times oh, as well, didn't yeah. he? A hell of a strike. And Hector Sam as well, we've talked to him about him previously on the Dragon Heart, and he was just a bag of energy as well, wasn't mm. he? He was always great off the bench. But what one player, what the other guy that we haven't talked about yet is the big man. Yeah, Dennis Lawrence. He comes a little bit later, but still yeah. in that 2000, 2000, 2001 season. He only gets four games in that season. Yeah. Now that, that, there's the thing though, isn't it? Sam and Edwards arrive. They've come from a much lower level of club football, but they they hit the ground running. Yeah. And I think it's fair to say that how they play from the start is how they will go on. Yeah. Dennis Lawrence very different kettle of fish. He arrives, he, he looks terribly awkward. He's got this gangling figure and he doesn't play well and he gets discarded by Flynn, off and on. He is notably bad in Flynn's very last game. We lose 5-0 at Tranmere and that's the end for Flynn. We, we were awful anyway. Like I said, that's that team yeah. that's lacking. But he really had a nightmare in that game as well. He was terrible in that game. And Smith came in and at first Dennis Smith, I think, was looking to get rid of him. Wasn't really interested in using him, couldn't see much. But um, in the interview we'll play with Carlos Edwards later, Carlos says that you know, Lawrence is a, a fighter. So he doesn't want to come to Wrexham, not make an impact and leave. He doesn't want to fail. So he rolls his sleeves up and works hard. And it was very much, I think, felt at the time that Dennis Smith, as a centre-back, was the right man to coach him and develop yeah. him. And Lawrence then turns into a, a fabulous player for us as well, doesn't he? But unlike the other two, he has to learn how to step up to that level, which in some ways is extremely endearing, isn't it? That he, he, he rules his fights like that. I think that's why everyone loved Dex Lawrence. Didn't he? When, mm. I, when I was a kid growing, growing up, he, he was, I think he was the tallest man I've ever seen in my life. He, <laughs> yeah. he was just, I remember looking at him like, wow, who's this guy? And I was, you know, I was only five, six years old when I was watching Rex at the time, so you don't look, you don't look at um, football analytically at that point, mm. do you, at all? And the, the fact that the fact of the matter is, to this day, when I was a kid, those three players were, and Trundle Morel were the ones that really stick out for me out of that team, yeah. out of those teams later on. And it was he was he was excellent, wasn't he? And he, he just got better and better and better. Dennis Lawrence did. And then of course we come to that promotion season yeah. and the change of formation to going three at the back is perfect for Lawrence. And for Edwards. Edwards now is a wing back. Yeah. 
so he's able to he that wing is his and he just takes control and he's fabulous his pace on the transition is wonderful like you said his long range shooting yeah scores he gets he gets into double figures for no time for us that season yeah and then Lawrence it suits him because he's now playing alongside a stopper in Brian Carey and he's able to bring the ball out and he's one of those funny ones isn't he he's a bit like um What's his name? Sacco, who plays Liverpool, then Palace. Yeah, yeah. He looks very awkward on the ball, but is actually fairly effective on yeah, the ball. And yeah. Lawrence is, he was very quick. Not really, I don't want to say he's naturally quick, but when your legs are that long, you just eat up the ground. Yeah. He could carry the ball forwards, and as it was your first season, I don't know, do you remember his Zidane turns? Yes, I do, yeah. actually. Yeah, I remember him being quite good on the ball. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they were hilarious when he pulled them out. And they always, he never lost a ball with them. It was just wonderful to see this enormous spindly leg bloke pull off this real technical trick and just leave the strikers look stupid as anything. But he would carry the ball forwards with confidence. He'd get the ball forwards quickly with the ball at his feet. Uh, plus, of course, he was a cracking, battling defender. And I think that change of shape... Helped them both, I think. That's a thrilling team to watch, wasn't it? Oh, it was a, it, it was my first real season as being a football fan, so I just thought, wow, is this what Sporting Wrexham's were going to be like all <laughs> oh, the time? Sorry. <laughs> and then uh, I got a bit older, and then it started to get more depressing, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But it was a great entry to, to football, really, going to watch Wrexham. <laughs> and some of my fondest memories of my life was watching the likes of Dennis Lawrence yeah. and Carlos and Hector do their thing. I've got to say that... Uh, so Wrexham, that getting promoted was essentially a gateway drug to football. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Sporting Wrexham can be sort of like a gateway. Well, it definitely was a gateway. Some, sometimes can be like a drug because sometimes it can really hit you hard, can't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Following Wrexham, not even once. <laughs> the, I mean, the, the weird thing is, Hector Sam, in that season, yeah. it doesn't go so well for him. He starts it really well. Um, but there's a, there's a major problem for him, quite simply, that he is in an attack alongside Lee Trundle and Andy Morrell and Lee Jones. Yeah. So he's essentially fourth choice. Now, this was great for Wrexham, um, and Dennis Smith was, was utterly thrilled at having such strength and depth in his attack. But he only starts 11 league games all season. Um, it's his worst season in terms of getting goals and he's a bit unlucky in that respect because as you said he's very good at scoring off the bench and in our first four games of that season we draw two and we win two the two wins are one nils where Hector Sam comes off the bench and scores a home game first home game of the season against Oxford and then at Macclesfield is that a goal I really remember well I'm not saying it was a massively special goal but you know he's, he's in the box backing in spinning and drilling the ball home on the turn, you know, the Oxford goal is two minutes from the end, the Macclesfield goal is halfway through the second half, he's just turned two draws into wins. He got some key goals, but that season, in some ways, is a step backwards for Hector, and you you sort of wonder, okay, we're going back up a division now, is it going to be easy for him? I'll go for the stats, if you like. First season... I mean, his first season did peter off. Like I said, he scored those goals early on, but he ends up with eight goals in all competitions, 17 starts, 10 as a sub. The next season we get relegated, he only gets six goals. He starts more, actually, 20 starts, 15 as a sub. That season, 11 starts, 23 appearances as a sub. He's just off the bench constantly, six goals. And then we've gone up, and this is the thing with Hector. He gets better. 
he does yeah. better at the higher levels. So, like I said, those first three seasons, he scored eight, six, and six in all competitions. The next two seasons, 14 and 12, both times he starts nearly 30 games. That's amazing. You know, Morrell and Trundle leave. We bring in Ellen and Armstrong to replace them. I, I'm not criticising either of those players, but I think it's fair to say they don't replace Trundle and Morrell because no. they were phenomenal. Armstrong was smart, but his injuries had affected him massively. Llewellyn wasn't really, I'd say, an out-and-out striker as such, and either of them were really replacements. Mm. But Sam steps up to the, 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 the plate and scores 26 goals in two seasons at a higher level, which he's the one, ironically, who replaces them. That, that's class, isn't it? Mm. That, that actually obviously shows the talent levels he had. And I tell you what, we could do with Hector Sam, couldn't we, in this team we've got right now? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, Ima- yeah. Imagine a prime Hector Sam in this team coming off the bench <laughs> and making a nuisance. It'd be, it's exactly what we need. But yeah, but when you think of Trent Adams, Tobago, Wrexham players, you think of them three automatically, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. But we had a few more as well, didn't we? Yes, and I feel guilt. We had seven. Yeah. Am I going to ask you? No, I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you to maybe. I'll give it a go. Go oh, right, go on. So, obviously, Sam, Edwards, yeah. Lawrence, yeah. Andrews, yeah. Mike, uh, Josh Johnson, yeah. Silvio Spann. And the mystery man who actually on came trial, before was all, he? Yeah, he came before all of them, yeah. and I realised I'd forgotten to mention him first. Maybe appropriately, because I think yeah. the Holy Trinity have to go first, don't they, yeah, really? Yeah. Clayton Ince. Goalkeeper. Oh, the goal he played for Dundee and second keeper, wasn't he, under Shaka Hislop? In played for crew for quite a while as well. Wow, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, Clayton Ince was our, supposed to be our first Trinidadian player. Uh, we bring him in on trial, and the problem is we can't get work permit for him. Um, something, football fans, that you'll have to get used to, I'm afraid, because Brexit is, making that, is going to make that a major, major issue yeah. for British teams, and I don't think people realise that so much. An interesting article in The Athletic I read the other week saying that the spending in the last January transfer window massively, massively down compared to previously within the Premier League. Mm-hmm. And that was saying that everyone assumes it's because of Covid. But this article was saying it's not. It, uh, the, the, the Premier League team still got plenty of money to spend on transfers and other clubs are desperate to get rid of other countries. So in some ways it's better conditions to bring in players from Europe the reason is the new Brexit regist- um, rules on bringing players in are going to make it very difficult to bring in players from Europe and people haven't quite realised it yet. So Ince falls foul of this and he can't get a work permit, which is a shame. He'd be a good keeper, wasn't he? He was a good keeper. He was very tall. <laughs> he does play one game for us. Now that sounds odd. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I can fully explain this. I don't quite understand how he was eligible, but... He he plays one game in the Welsh Premier Cup. Oh, I suppose it's called the Welsh Invitation Cup the first season. So he plays at home against Newtown. Now, I can't quite understand how. There must be some technicality where you can argue it's not an actual first-team game. I can, uh, that's, that's my assumption. Mm. So he is allowed to play in this game. He keeps a clean sheet. We beat Newtown 1-0. It isn't the most thrilling match of all time. <laughs> Tony Hume scores of a header. Um, and that's it. And the, the, my main recollection for him, he made a good save um, when it was nil-nil. They've got a player running in the left channels. Tightish angle. He tries to drill it and Ince gets down well and he opposes and saves it. I think that's about it from him. My main recollection apart from that was that it had been said in the papers he's got incredible distribution. 
He's, he's got yeah. enormous kicking. And he did. But he didn't have any accuracy about it. <laughs> so my other recollection, he could throw to the halfway line. And that really well, that was an impressive sight. Um, and he kept kicking the ball out for goal kicks to them. Because <laughs> he's just launching That's it. impressive. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's impressive as a feat of strength. It's not yeah. impressive as a feat of football, was it really? Sometimes that might go in the goal, though. You never know. <laughs> True. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he was, he was looked decent. And he was very tall. You know, he's going to dominate the box, you'd imagine. I would say, though... Um, I mean, I consider him to be our Trinidadian ambassador, if you like. He was yeah. the first guy who came over. So I got the other ones right then. Oh, oh sorry, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Happy yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I just took it for granted you were right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, did we really desperately need him? Because at the same time, we had Mark Cartwright and Andy Marriott. So I, I, I must admit at the time thinking, he looks like he could be quite decent. Why are we bringing a third keeper in when you've got Marius, who was class, and Cartwright, who was an extremely good backup keeper and had shown this already in the previous season? So it was a little bit strange. Or maybe it's just trying to take a punt. And maybe yeah. like, if this guy's really good, maybe we can sell one of the other keepers for a good amount of money. You, yeah. you don't know, yeah. do you? And, you know, there may have been things going on. I don't want to say behind the scenes because that sort of implies... You know, there's something dubious going on. I'm not trying to say that, but certainly the next season is when Flynn suddenly sells Mario. Yeah. Completely unexpectedly and throws Cartwright in. Um, a move which doesn't come off because I think Cartwright gets exposed maybe a little too soon and he doesn't have a good season. And, and also because Mario was a superb keeper, there was no need to get rid of him. Um, so okay, in that context, maybe Flynn was already thinking, yeah, I'm going to make a change in the summer. Mm. But it was hard to spot then because I don't think it was a wise move, if I'm honest with you. Um, so in, yeah, but in yeah, fair place, yeah. Well, another one of my favourites, I probably say, is one of my favourites, Silvio Span. I, I I love that guy when he played for us. He, yeah. he was just a a real fighter, wasn't he? Yeah. he and he he did some ridiculous yeah. things on the pitch sometimes, but. I don't know, I could be wrong here, but I remember an away game where he got a red card for a ridiculous challenge. I forgot what the away game was, though. Was it Kidderminster? I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite early on. Yeah, yeah. yeah thanks, um, Silvio. Uh, <laughs> thanks. But I just remember him being a bit... He was erratic, but he was quite enjoyable. I think the fans mm. really liked him as well, mm. didn't they? I think he was a bit of Lawrence. I think he went on a bit of a journey. Yeah. Um, I, I think the expectation was built up too high when he arrived. Because, you know, he's, he's a, a current international... Uh, he's arrived after the World Cup. We are expecting him to be something special. And yeah. remember those YouTube videos. Yes, that goal against America or something. Yeah. Was it, like the halfway yeah. line, that ridiculous free kick that went in. So I, I remember thinking, oh, we're signing the world's best player here. Yeah. We need to put those <laughs> links to those goals in the underneath the oh, uh, description of this. Because if, if you haven't seen them, you need to see them. But there's two. He does another, scores another one for Trinidad against... Uh, it was El Salvador or somebody yeah and I mean they are free kicks from the halfway line that go in but again usually if someone scores from the halfway line with a free kick it's you think yeah it's going to be like like Clayton in scoring you know yeah. you lift it in the box people get in front of it and miss it the yeah. keeper makes a mess of it and it's carried through but these were shots weren't they yeah they're ridiculous <laughs> shots they're yeah. terrifying yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's one of them that, if I remember correctly one of them he just nails it and it's still travelling when it goes in. And then the other one is still a fabulous strike, but he puts so much curve on it 
that it's brilliant. The best angle to see it is the, cam the camera behind the Trinidad goalkeeper. There's like a high up camera and they show it from behind. And he hits it and it's going wide of the left post, but it ends up going in the top right corner. And the the, the keeper is just brilliant. Just watching the keeper, he's he's like running across to one side to see it's out for a goal kick, and then he's suddenly spinning and running back across his yeah. goal and can't get that inside. I mean, it's just an outrageous strike of a football. But sadly, he never showed that at all for us. I would argue. Yeah. And because of that, people had too high an expectation. He'd been on trial at Sheffield United, so people thought, "Oh, this guy's like a Championship Premier League player." And for some reason, we've got him. And I think they built him up too much. Because once we got over the disappointment of, oh, he's not this player, like you said, he was a good lad, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I remember his corners being quite funny, because sometimes they just sort of like <laughs> roll across the floor, wouldn't they? Yeah. But he, he was... No, I love Silvio Spann, and we had... Is it Josh Johnson as well? Yeah, yeah. I thought he was actually a pretty good player when I was, when I was younger. He was very quick. Yeah. He could beat people, couldn't he? Um, and he, he stayed for two seasons. I, I honestly don't recall that. I thought he was just a, yeah, like I one thought, season. I thought he went off to Real after. Did he go he off did, to yeah. Real? Yeah, yeah. He did, Real yeah. got a bit of money, didn't they? Yeah. And they, they brought Robert in him. Neil Roberts, yeah. Danny Williams, yeah. a number of Wrexham players who, well, frankly, shouldn't have been allowed to go. Back. Well, certainly in Roberts and Williams' case, I think. Because my PE teacher played for Real at the time as well, and he was like, this Josh Johnson fella's ridiculous level. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> he was super fast. He was very shy. Yeah, and I wonder sometimes if that sort of thing can not help. I mean, you know, Carlos, Hector, Dennis, Silvio, outgoing, friendly guys who who you know people want to absorb and uh, and welcome. Yeah, um, Josh uh, seems a very nice lad, but you could you couldn't get many words out of him. Frankly, yeah. he was very he seemed terribly shy and looked a little frightened and you know coming across. The Atlantic to this new environment. I think, well, I, I mean, I'd say fair play to him for yeah. sticking out for two seasons and then hanging around at Rill as well. I mean, fair play to him, but I think that might have been that acclimatization might have been a bit different. It'd be hard for anyone, wouldn't it? If mm. you, if they decided to take you as a teacher over to Trinidad and Tobago, you'd struggle, wouldn't you? Because it's completely different. Well, you might not struggle, the whole, but... The whole country would struggle if they sent you. <laughs> I promise you. I can bring anywhere down from the inside. <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? Anyone yeah, yeah, yeah. would. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I thought he was great. I was only, yeah. you know, I was pr probably a little kid at the time watching. I thought he was pretty good. And we had Marvin Andrews as well, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Can I just say as well, just quickly about Josh Johnson as well, the, the one other thing which went against him, he was in a bad team. Yeah. Uh, and I think people forget that too often. There's lots of players that get jettisoned as failures, but if you put them into a better side, they'd have looked a lot better. Yeah. He, he comes in for the season where we win the Boston game in the last match. Yeah, we were poor that season. Yeah, so he gets 10 starts, 17 as a sub in the league. Um, scores one goal. And then he stays for the relegation season where he only makes nine games off the bench. Mm -hmm. I mean, to be fair to him, I mean, the stats aren't good. But, you know, assists, for example, are, are reliant on people taking the chances you create. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if he's tearing down the wings and he's got an informed big target man getting on the end of his crosses, he's suddenly going to look great. If yes. he's sticking them in and there's people in the box who are low confidence who aren't scoring goals. And they so, were two poor sides, weren't they? I oh, think, yeah. I think everyone remembers, oh, the, the Boston game from that season and the, the Shrewsbury game, if you went to that, as 
they were the only two really big good, great results, weren't they, from that season? Yeah, they, fi- they finished well under Carey, to be fair. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, I, there were lots of problems there, I think. It was all, the whole club was, the club was a mess, wasn't it? The club it? was from, a total yeah, mess. From yeah, top to it. bottom, so... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can 100% agree. If you maybe if you put him in the 98-point season team, he would have been a great asset. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you never know, yeah. do you? And I mean, Dennis Smith has brought him in, and then Dennis Smith is gone so yeah. six months later. Yeah. When a man who brings you in and has faith in you is then gone, the next guy might not have so much faith in you. I don't recall Carey picking Johnson much of at all. He yeah. would have done the second time, I guess. But yeah, it's to me... You know, circumstances aren't very helpful for Johnson there, are they? And, and look at what we said about Dennis Lawrence. He started badly, yeah. and Dennis Smith wanted to get rid of him. Yeah. But Lawrence rolls his sleeves up and changes that. Maybe Johnson could have done that, but he, he's unfortunate, I think, with the timing of it all. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a big host of things. Didn't did Lawrence leave early that season as well? Um, the season he joined. Yes, that's exactly, exactly right. So he, yeah, he made, yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, he may not have just had the mentality. Mm. It's It's... Uh, it's, I think with Josh Johnson, it was a cocktail of things, wasn't it? Yeah. That unfortunately, like it didn't quite work out. Yeah, exactly. I think I, I didn't think of that. That's exactly yeah. right. Dennis Lawrence moves on after three games that season. Yeah. Now, Josh Johnson turns up. He's under shy lads, but he's got this fantastic leader already at the club to take him under his wing. Yeah. But then he's gone, and yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it's a tricky one for him, isn't it? It's the next season. That span comes by which time Johnson's pretty much on the way out. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Just to say quickly about span as well. Um, his ability to improvise and be adaptable was good. So he comes in as a midfielder. He doesn't really make the grade as a midfielder, in all honesty, but he turns into a very serviceable fullback. Yeah. And yeah. and I think that's to his credit as well. Yeah. He's able to to slot in. Obviously, a hard worker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it always had a great mentality. I remember interviewing him once, and it was one of those that's, oh, God, I mean, I've interviewed so many people over the years, I, I get a bit shocked sometimes. I love to staff this. I, f- I occasionally find old videos on YouTube of me interviewing someone, and I think, oh, I thought I never met that person. Because obviously, I've had to do so many. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. Like, oh, did, I, did I meet him? Did I chat to him? I was surprised that no, I was chatting to Rob Oldby the other day how often I'd interviewed him. Yeah. Like, I really didn't recall it much. Um, but I, the Silvio Span one that I did really stuck in my head. It was weird because he was there ages after the game, all the other players had gone, and he basically, we'd lost. It was the season we went down. Yeah. And he said, yeah, um, just come in the changing room. And that, didn't do check interviews in the changing room. It was <laughs> strange, but nobody was there. And he said, I'll oh, come in about 10 minutes, he said. And so I came in, and he was just sitting there looking so down. And we did this really quite emotional interview where he was talking about how things were really upsetting him and getting him down with, on the pitch. Mm. And you could just see, and you're sort of thinking, you know what? This guy is really suffering because our football team is getting relegated. And, and again, it's, uh, uh, to me, that's a fantastic attitude. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> Wrexham means nothing in Trinidad. When he's grown up, he doesn't know the hell the first thing about it. Yeah. But because he's joined us, he, it really hurts him that we're... we're rubbish uh, and it was a really I don't want to say painful interview but very emotional interview and I just thought he's really opened up here and, and shown the sort of bloke he is and fair play to him for having that commitment that, that's amazing isn't it yeah. that, that's it that's it that's exactly what you want out of any player no matter where they're from and mm. for him to be from Trinidad and to care about 
Wrexham Football Club yeah, situation yeah, so yeah. much and to be so emotional, that's a really nice thing to hear. Yeah. And um, again, why I think the fans loved him. The fans did like him. Yeah, he wasn't oh, yeah. the best, but yeah. he tried. And I think with Wrexham, to be a, a successful Wrexham player in the fans' eyes is to give it your all, isn't it? Yeah, and that's absolutely. all people want to see. Yeah, yeah. And another player who we haven't talked about yet is Marvin Andrews, <laughs> who played for Wrexham. Any stories to tell about him, Mark? Well, yeah, um, <laughs> not not as good as you'll hope. I'm yeah, afraid. so don't, don't give me the big build up on him. He was he was oh he was loved at Rangers, wasn't oh. he? And in other clubs, and he was obviously a quality player, wasn't yeah, he? In his yeah. day, he was um yeah like I say, like I say, a, a, a real talent and a proper personality. I know this sounds a bit weird, but I um. <laughs> I read his autobiography in one day <laughs> on the train going to watch his debut because we'd started the season, you know, we'd beaten Cambridge at home. Yeah. But is that how we usually start the season by beating Cambridge at home? Because we played them at the race course, first and beat them, didn't we? Yeah. And then we went to Forest Green and we were terrible and we lost 3 0. That's in midweek. And so for the next Saturday, suddenly Marvin Andrews assigned for us and everyone's like, whoa, Marvin Andrews. Yeah. And I know it sounds sad, but one little thing that got me sort of uh, interested was uh, this bloke's written an autobiography. How many Wrexham players am I going to have a chance to read his autobiography before, yeah. you know, he's to play for us now, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I went to my train, long journey. By the time I got to Eastbourne, I'd finished it. It was a cracking, bizarre book. Uh, and then watching him play, you just think, geez, this man's a monster. Yeah. Um, he had terrible scars on his face as well. Um, which made him look. I remember interviewing him after that game, and, and he's a lovely man, a really, really nice, personable man. But I felt a little nervous asking him because he walks out, and he's he's just got this terrifying yeah. look about him. He's a man mountain. He's so broad, and he's got this scarred look about him. And and I'm also reading his autobiography about how he said when he was a kid they couldn't afford shoes, and they, he would play on on rocks in barefoot. And how he felt it toughened them up, and I'm thinking, yeah. this is a hard man. <laughs> yeah, and he's a lovely bloke. He's a, he's, a, he's a pastor, isn't he? He's a, you know, yeah. very religious fella. Um, but I just remember the stats struck me, thinking, oh look at him, look at him. I wouldn't want to be a striker against him. Imagine having that guy marking you. Yeah, he's not going to be happy. <laughs> and he was a good player as well, oh, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. A, a very good player. He's latter end of his career coming yeah. to play for us, unfortunately, because we had him when he was younger. He was obviously <laughs> playing for Rangers, wasn't yeah. he? And, a higher level, but yeah, he was a cracking player. He was very physical and he was big, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, that's my memories yeah. of having Andrews, really. I mean, I've got to confess, I, I've missed that one key element in this, which is that um, we let in three goals of Forest Green and we were poor defensively. So we bring some Marvin Andrews to show things up. We let in four goals at Eastbourne. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we lost 4 3. Um, although I don't recall him being at fault, so I seem to recall him being pretty good. Yeah. But that was another reason why I was a bit edgy. Generally, goalkeepers and centre backs aren't chuffed when they've left four goals in. And yeah. then after they say, "Can I ask you how it went?" You know, they don't tend to love that. Yeah. Um, he, the thing for me with him was that he has. Well, okay. Uh, uh, Crichton alongside him. Uh, about six weeks later, we bring Crichton in. I was talking to Crichton after his debut. It was at York, and Crichton was saying, I've never experienced anything like this. And I was like, why? He said, I'm playing alongside Marvin Andrews. And Crichton said, well, I'm the stopper. 
I'm the guy who attacks the ball in the air. The other centre-back plays off me. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the big lump who wins the headers. And he said, so I'm coming into this game expecting to do that. The first long ball comes in, I'm about to go for it, and then Marvin Andrews comes sprinting <laughs> past me and heads it 30 yards into the other side's half. And he said, all of a, he said for the first time in his life, he's got a bloke next to him who's much better at heading the ball. Oh, and sorry he's for strikers. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then so Crichton suddenly finds he's, he's the guy on the cover. He wow. said, that's not my job. Makes you wonder what Dean Saunders is doing, bringing them both in the same time. Yeah. But Andrews, the, the thing with him, I thought, was that... Uh, you think about Crichton dominating in the air... It's because of his, his bulk, isn't it? Yeah. He reads the game, he gets in position, and then he's just got that physical size. So if you're jumping at Crichton, he's stronger than you. Yeah. If you're trying to back into Crichton, he'll hold you off. Yeah. Um, Marvin Andrews wasn't like that. He was very strong and could do those yeah. things. But what he tended to want to do was run onto a header and plant it. And, and it was weird in some ways. You know what I mean? He's not using his natural advantage of being big. He wants to take a run-up, time it, almost like a long jump, spring into his header, and boom. That's really athleticism, isn't it? A superb yeah. athleticism. Yeah. That's why he always had a reputation that he could head the ball further than anybody else, because he would send the ball booming into the other side's half. But it also, if I'm honest, at that point in his career, I know he's a marvellous player in his peak, made Crichton more reliable. Yeah. Because he would sometimes mistime those leaps. You know, he, he was... He was doing something based on timing, whereas Chrysler was using his natural attributes. So you, mm. you can miss time a jump. You can't accidentally get a bit shorter. You know, so yeah. Crichton actually was the better centre back for us, and and you know shows and how he stayed with us. And Andrews wasn't always first choice with Frank Sinclair there as well, which yeah. might be slightly surprising, but he wasn't. Um, he was very good for us. Scored a couple of goals from headers, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, and then the way he left was slightly weird, in the. Uh, as I, as it is told, you know, there's a slight asterisk here by Dean Saunders, who sometimes can be a little bit, shall we say, um, inventive <laughs> with, his, with his explanations of things. Uh, was that supposedly he wanted to keep Andrews, and Andrews just went back up to Scotland, and said, "Oh, I'm just going to go up in the summer and do some preaching." And then it was, it was just impossible to get in touch with him. And all of a sudden, I can't remember who we'd signed for a, a low division team in Scotland without telling us. Now, whether that's true or not, yeah. I don't know. But certainly, I think there was a, an element of frustration that he just sort of drifted away and didn't come back. And we would have liked to have had him in that 98-point season. He would, he would have been a good asset, wouldn't he, to have? He'd have been interesting, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice backup for that yeah. adversable. <laughs> yeah. But... That's what it is. He, he was loved up in Scotland, though, wasn't oh, yeah, he, I by know. the Rangers. The Rangers fans still to this day, he's always still being talked about on Twitter, isn't he, and things like mm. that. So, just proves how much a you know must be people players from Trinidad must be just really like him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's the magnificent seven, then we've gone through, haven't we? Yeah, Done pretty yeah. well. There. Can I make one of the points as well, which I think is really important, and it goes back to that whole idea of community and and something beyond football in a way. Um, sadly, of course, people talk in cliches a lot. Um, I guess that's a human nature. That certainly is true in football. And so, okay, I'm ancient. I'm talking about players coming in from Europe. I remember, God, I'm ancient. I remember the excitement when, in 1978, Argentina won the World Cup. I was a child. I was a child. <laughs> 
and Ardiles and Bia signed yeah. for Spurs, and then forgotten in the same summer, Tarantini, who's an excellent fullback in the World Cup winning team, signed for Birmingham. So you've got these three World Cup winning players coming to win in a year in a time when basically football was played in their own country. You didn't have many sort of foreign players going in, you know, some but not a lot. And this was really unusual for Britain. Um, and there were all the cliches coming out about oh well these foreign players they don't like Europe, you know this is, this is British football you know it's going to get physical. Now people still talk in those sort of terms. Yeah. It seems a bit farcical to be now, but certainly when Hector and Carlos came, certainly there was a common idea, and I would say it's still a common idea amongst a lot of football people. And I'll go and I'll say it. It's an outright racist idea that for some reason, if you come from the Caribbean or Africa, A, you're not going to like the cold weather, B, you're not going to roll your sleeves up and do a good chef. And I'm not saying for a second that Wrexham fans were like saying, oh, look at what we're doing bringing these guys in. But there was also that question, I think, in the head of, you know, these, Trinidad's not much of a football country. Mm. These prejudices existed they still exist yeah, what's he gonna what are they gonna be like and i just think that they did an important job of education in that sense um i'm not trying to be patronizing about about us all in Wrexham at the time but if you want hard work carlos edwards will do for me dennis lawrence will do for me yeah. if you want a bloke who's not scared of playing in a bit of sleet Marvin Andrews will do for me. Yeah. If you want a bloke who's committed, Silvio Span, Hector Sam will do for me. And I think we all feel that way. Yeah. There's no more wholehearted professional than Dennis Lawrence that, that I can think of. 100% you know? and it, it, that just proves on what he's done after his career. Mm. And he's, he's, man, ma he's manager of Trinidad and Tobago now, isn't yeah, he, yeah, Dennis yeah, Lawrence? Yes. You, know? Um, you know, what Carl Sanders did you know, to be to be a Premier League footballer, it's a lot, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, it? It's it's fantastic, and I hundred yeah. percent agree with you. That that was beautifully put. I just think that it, it kicks racist attitudes into the long grass, and it, the sort of racist attitudes are sometimes the most dangerous ones, the ones that are assumed rather than you know the sort of attitudes people have when they say, "Oh, I'm not racist." Yeah. But a lad from the Caribbean, you won't like it in November. It's a similar thinking to that whole stupid. Oh, Leo Messi looks good, but what would he be like on a Tuesday night in Stoke in November? Yeah, what he'd be like is better than all the other players on the pitch, actually. Um, you know, I mean, it's 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 it's, it's lazy racism. Yeah, um, and I don't think it's always malicious. No, and that, no, but, yeah, yeah, but it's sort of it's still a little bit racist. Yeah, even I think yeah. in, in some ways it's extremely dangerous and insidious, yeah. though, because it's a sort of oh, I'm definitely not racist. But these things are facts. Well, no, they're not. Yeah. No, they're not. Did, did any of those players play less well in the winter? No. No. Okay. Did they not like the cold? Oh, no. They didn't like the cold. Do I like the cold? Not particularly. I'm from Wales. I live in the cold. Do they talk about Australian players about not liking the cold? <laughs> well, says, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. one of them. I think it's just these lazy cliches that a lot of football fans say, isn't it? And it's just... Yeah. Just forget about it. If they're playing bad in the winter, they're just maybe just having a bad spell of yeah, form. Yeah. It's nothing to do with where they're from yeah. or what have you. Maybe they just don't like playing in a certain town or yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's nothing yeah, to do yeah. with where they're from. And yeah. 
And it's so nice that those lads, all of them, all of them, each one of them, broke those boundaries, didn't 100%. they, for Wrexham yeah, fans? Yeah. And for me, they they will always be engraved in in Wrexham um, culture and history, Wrexham Football Club culture and history, and especially Dennis Lawrence of what he's done in the World Cup. Indeed, and we'll go on to that. But I'll tell you what, we've talked for a bit. Should we let a proper legend talk for a bit as well, perhaps? So we'll chat about World Cup experiences in a bit, but let's let's hear from someone who actually has played in the World Cup. He knows what he's talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I give you the legendary Carlos Edwards. I'm Kerry Evans, and you're listening to Dragonheart Radio Show. Oh, well, Carlos, it's always a pleasure to see you and, and to speak to you. Um, <laughs> to be honest, I... I, I I can't think of a player in the last 20-odd years who's, who's as popular with Wrexham fans as, as you are. You, I think you're aware you, the link you've got with Wrexham fans is something special. Yeah, you know what? From, from, from since, since I joined Wrexham, obviously, it was my, my first home from away from home, mm-hmm. you know, back in Trinidad. And, um, you know, and the Welsh, the Welsh support, the Welsh people, especially up north, is you know it was second to none to me. To be fair, so I, I felt really welcome the first time when I, even when I was on trial at first, you know, Brian Flynn and Joey and Kev Rees and all these boys, you know, welcome us like if we were, you know, a part of the club from from day one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I always remember um, having Paul Barrett commentating with me because he was injured. And he oh, was saying right. how he remembered you from the very start because just you had such good feet. You know, this, yeah. this, like, this guy's got touch. So I think that that sort of quality gets the respect of the of teammates. And then it yeah. was your enthusiasm and work rate and quality and everything, and just your manner it was what I think really sold you, if you like, to the fans. Yeah, I mean, it's it's to be fair, it, I, I think it just came natural. It's not. You know, coming back from back the background in Trinidad, you know, we never had uh, a setup as most clubs in Europe has, where they have the academy and 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 you know, you go through the phases from eight different age groups, yeah. and it just happened that, you know, being in the little village that I grew up in in Trinidad, we just had a little team, a lot of boys, as as now you see them in the playground, just kicking around the ball and stuff, and we arranged few games we joined tournaments you know for the boys that was in the area that I grew up with and we had a nice team and and from there things just started to progress you know into college and then obviously the military background playing for the defense force and then you know coming over to my beloved Wrexham that's like something people don't really realize that much do they that you did your they don't a lot of people don't know that that's it <laughs> Another thing people don't know about you, of course, is you're named after a pharaoh. So it's inevitable well, you're you going to be the king of Wrexham. Yeah? It's, it's, I, I, I would tell you this. I, I never even knew until, <laughs> yeah, and, until my, my, one of my good friends, you know, he's, like, he, he's into these kind of, you know, he's a Rastafarian and stuff, yeah. and he's into these kind of things. And he was like, your name, you name after, I was like, what? <laughs> and it's only until I start looking up, and this was could be about. It's only about ten years ago that I actually, um, you know, realized that it was named after Pharaoh. But obviously, I didn't know at, at the time if my dad knew. Yeah. You know, but you know, just just stick with it, and we just go with it. <laughs> uh, so, Akhenaten's uh, Tutankhamun's dad. 
Um, oh, look at that. I went on holiday that. there a while. I went on holiday there a while ago and actually picked okay. something up so surprisingly. <laughs> that's, that's impressive. And Carlos, after Carlos Monzon, I believe, who my dad is a big boxing fan, would always tell me about what a great boxer he was. Yeah, well, my, my granddad told me, obviously, he named me after... Is, is he Italian? Argentina. Oh, Argentina. Well, well, yeah. So I know it was obviously one of them Spanish-speaking. Yeah, but yeah. my granddad told me he named me after a boxer. Mm. Because he he gave me the name Carlos, yeah, and obviously I know a, a Canadian is a mouthful, so a lot of people just stuck <laughs> stuck with Carlos. Uh, Carlos Monza was a really good middleweight. So I think if, if, a lot of Argentinians came from Italy originally, so probably you are right. Oh look, oh, uh, right. Oh, my right. dad is more the expert than me, but I remember him being a, a proper hard worker, Monza. So as you can see, how you've picked up those qualities. Well, um, there you go. Then so yeah, yeah it, it it goes hand in hand. Uh, you and Hexton, of course, were, were there at the same time, uh, arriving at the same time, I should say. Um, yeah. And you made an immediate impact, didn't you? I mean, it must have been a, a very different style of football to what you remember. You, you were used it to, but when did it went, I mean, it was. It was, first of all, it, it was a bit more cold and rainy and wet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, but yeah, it, it was different because it was, it was more physical, more, more demanding. Um, it was more professional. I would say because you know, even though I had the military background, and obviously you got to, you know, obey your seniorities. It coming to Wrexham, it it just fit right in because I knew I was coming into a very professional environment, and I had to be, you know, up for whatever challenges was put in front of me. And you know, seeing that I had that military training, I don't think I would have, you know, backed on from any obstacle that was put in front of me and hence the reason you know I'm actually still floating around still today yeah <laughs> <laughs> well you say about not backing off from obstacles the classic one for me of you going against the odds was that crazy goal that you scored against Colchester when we had nine men and you just got the ball yeah. and you just ran through a lot of them I mean it was just it was like big Maradona looked like a tapping yeah, I mean, I mean, when, when, when you have coaches like when I first joined Wrexham, you had Joey, yeah. who was a legend. We know this. Um, we had Brant, obviously, Brantlin was the manager at the time. And he gives you those, you know, that baton to say, listen, it's do or die at this point in time. And we need to go for something, you know. Yeah. And when, Bra when um, Big Bright, Passed the ball to me. I just obviously the the space just open up, and you know I just start obviously okay. Then you 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 open the floodgates to me. So then I, I I wouldn't say no to that, and I just started running with the ball. And I, I think new one, no one actually confronted me until obviously the top of the eighteen yard box. But by the time then I had a good sight of goal, you know, kind of shimmy a bit. It, you know, the defender was maybe a bit unlucky at that point in time to, you know, not get the ball. But it felt perfectly for me after that. And, you know, when you're in that position, all you got to do is hit the target. And I think it, it, it wasn't a bad strike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After that run as well. I mean, it was a great finish too. I think yeah. the defender was unlucky because he came up against you, to be honest with you. Well, well, so... <laughs> that was his problem. <laughs> that was his problem. Now, I, I don't think he knew exactly what was coming at him at first until he mm. he saw it was me coming with the ball. Yeah. But, you know, he tried his best, poor, poor lad. And, <laughs> you know, 
the rest was the rest is history. Hector getting a good start with, amongst the goals straight away must also have been good, probably for both of you in terms of sort of being able to settle in and, and knowing that you're going to perform at that level. Well, yeah, of course. I think any any club that you go in, you want to kind, you want to try and settle as fast as you can, and try to win the crowd over, win the fans. Obviously, show the manager that a hey, yes, regardless if you come from a different culture, a different background, that you're capable to, you know, do do a good job. And as you rightly said, Hector, you know, started getting the goals and stuff. And Hector is a player that he strives on those kind of things. Whereas me, I'm I'm a more hardworking. I would let things happen for me. Hector, Hector needs to get amongst the goals so his confidence could grow, you know. And because he gets a bit, he used to get a bit frustrated, you know, quickly. His head used to go down and stuff. But with the likes of me and him there at the time, you know, he he still had someone from his, you know, country who could have he could have relied on. And and then obviously Dennis came maybe about six years later. So I think it was a boost for him in that aspect. And I was going to say with Dennis, I think what, I mean, he's also massively popular with the Wrexham fans and, and a big part of that, I think, was that, to be honest, he didn't start well. He, he struggled, I think, at first to settle into it, but yeah. he showed such heart and commitment to learn, I think, maybe from Dennis Smith a lot, who played in that position and developed yeah. into an absolutely outstanding player. Yeah, of course. And I think Dennis himself to, you know, obviously Dennis had the military background also. Um, but Dennis is a totally different player. He he is more, he simplifies a lot of things. He is more calm. You know, he let things, he don't stress on too many things. He just let things, you know, go and hopefully that it could. But as you rightly said, he, he, did, he didn't have the best of time, mm. you know, but obviously when those opportunity obviously put themselves forward for you. You've got to grasp it and take it. And I think when that happened, when Dennis Smith came on board, he was more of a pillar in the squad, in the team. And he just went from strength to strength from then. Yeah, yeah. There were issues um, behind the scenes already starting to develop and we went down in 2002. Um, but that led to that unbelievable promotion season and I always yeah. sort of I always look at that team I mean I'm probably wrong but I always think that Dennis Smith look, must have looked at the fourth the fourth division and thought if you go at them they'll crack and so yeah. you and Paul Edwards as wingbacks um <laughs> but your wing was, was, you know, I mean you were so I mean you, you could do a defensive job obviously but your yeah. job was that you just tore into teams I mean that team was amazing to watch yeah, when I mean, with, with, with Paul, when you have Paul, Paul, because you 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 got two willing attackers, and obviously with the same strength of defending, mm. it's a win-win situation. Yeah, and I remember obviously I used to love playing with um, Darren yeah. Ferguson because I knew straight away once he gets time on this and space in the midfield, he's absolutely just going to find you on out on the wing. And I used to strive on that. I used to just love it, you know. I and I will. A lot of people always say, you know, pick your best eleven. And Darren will always be my 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 best eleven because he was such a player with that left foot of his that you you, you just can't, you know, not not want to pick him in your eleven. 
you scored some great goals from distance in that season. That my my one of my main sort of if I if you mention that season to me, one of the first things I'll think of is you twenty five yards out just banging the shots in. <laughs> so, you yeah, know, I mean, yeah, it was fantastic. You know, <laughs> apart from the dribbling, apart from everything else, you really were stinging the keepers' palms or just beating them, wasn't you? Oh yeah, but that's it. I, I mean, I, it's always good as a as a as a what to say a wing a, a full back wing back however you want to put it these days. Your main attributes is assisting, you know, getting them crosses in for the likes of Trins and Andy and them boys and them to score goals and 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 Lee Jones and those boys. But then you got to chip in with the goals also, and if you can, it's a bonus. It's a it's a massive bonus, you know, because I think that's where a lot of games has been won and lost. Your fullback area once you have a a solid core of the of, of your team. You got three nice centre halves and two willing fullbacks. I think you could cause a lot of teams yeah. problems. Well, funnily enough, that's exactly how we're playing at the moment, and we have the most attacking defensive, well, wide players since you and me. Yeah. And <laughs> quite well, actually, to be fair, they're more attacking fullbacks than, than you and Paul, perhaps. But nonetheless, yeah. our, our right-sided wing-back, you'd enjoy him, Reese Hall-Johnson. And he's just got his fifth goal of the season, so that's a pretty decent All right, goal. but that's but that's <laughs> decent going. That's yeah. that's really good because you, 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 you're you adding a different dimension to your game also. It was strange, wasn't it? Because before that season, I think you'd say that Trundle's the, the terrifically gifted one who's going to score goals yeah. and Andy yeah. Burrell unbelievable work rate will work oh, for yeah. other people and I mean in the last game of the relegation season Lee Jones scores five goals but Andy yeah. Burrell I, I, I know it sounds daft saying this I thought I had a better game because he set up four of the goals he was just unbelievable but that's it a lot, a, lot, a lot of people obviously you get praised for scoring goals but then when you look at Andy's work rate yeah. I think his work rate caused Lee Jones to get those five goals, yeah. you know, and that's the that's the selfish side of 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 the game, you know. You, you as I always say, you sometimes you you make runs mm. to allow your teammates mm. to get the ball to to put it in the back of the net. So, but saying that, I think everyone worked really hard that promotion year you know it was it, it was such yeah. such a beautiful um time enjoy i mean th- th- those were the good times you know um and hopefully those times could come back sooner rather than later you know but it it it, it might take time but it's it's in a work in progress as as we know Absolutely, absolutely, and and thankfully things are going very well off the pitch now. That the that's good. Is that after we went up, that those problems yeah. we had off the pitch really started to yeah. us, didn't they? And that was a that was a real shame for us. Yeah, yeah, you know. But it's how to say. So sometimes you got to take one or two steps back yeah. before you actually go forward. Yeah. It just so happened that. Our love, beloved Wrexham took a, a a leap back, you know, and it's and it's small strides, you know. As you say, as a baby, you creep before you walk. <laughs> so I think at this moment, we would say that we are baby. So we just creeping around until that times when we stand and when we can start walking and then start running around. Yeah. So, and those things happen really quickly. So 
I can see there there would be progress, and I I I just hope the fans don't just take it as yes we have new owners now and yes we're gonna we're gonna be in championship in the next two years. No, you gotta take 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 one step at a time. Yeah, build 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 and. Things will fall into play, yeah. and I think that's and what people that, are thinking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that that's how it goes. Yeah. I mean, if 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 you just go all gone hoeing, you know, before you know it, you end up like most clubs. You go up, and then you spend what one season in in a division, and then you go and go all the way back down, and you don't want that. You know, you know, you want to build for the future. You want to build something that is solid. That, and once you build that foundation, then you can build again on that foundation, and. I know the fans, and I hope that they stick with the program, stick with it, stick with the support, support. Correction was a club that once the fans get back into the race course, it's so you know. Looking back at some of the videos and you hearing the crowd roaring in the cup, you're thinking, "Wow, good days, <laughs> good days." Yeah. When you when you think about the season when you were playing and and we went down as well. Yeah. I mean, that was a hugely frustrating thing. I mean, for you personally, because, of course, you had an injury which ruled you out for a good part of that season. Yeah, it did. And, it did. And, and, you it know, did. Um, not having you for half a season makes a difference. We were cost us points, yeah. to be honest. But then also yeah. that we had the 10-point penalty, which, from my perspective, was very harsh, simply because we went into administration to save the club, not to t- get yeah. an advantage. So because be, be, because no one else fought but that silly guy, which I don't want to mention his name, but yeah, yeah. you know we all know who who it is. But you know we just stick with that, and it it was sad in a way that yes, at the end of that season it was we we had something to cheer about with the LDV Vans Trophy, yeah. but it was sad because after that after that season and. You know, you you never want to leave a club um, in that um, state of mind. You know, obviously, I had to, you know, do what what was best for myself and try to progress. And um, you know, obviously, I wish everyone well, and you know, they themselves wish me well. And I went on, obviously, to have a you know a good career after that. And certainly you handled that right because there was no ill feeling from the club. You know, sometimes players yeah. move on and, and, and there's ill will, but with yourself, you know, you handled it like the gentleman you are. Everyone was totally happy with what, what you, you decided. And at least we had that LDV Vans and your red hair to, to enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, jeez. I was showing my kids that picture the other day. I said, look, look at dad and his red hair. They were like, hmm? they're looking at me like, Dad, you got red hair. I was like, yeah. I said that when Dad was a bit silly. That when I was a bit silly. Yeah. That was crazy, crazy me. And a, a year later, just to finish off, of course, we you were in the World Cup, which was must have been yeah. yeah. Oh, that that says a lot, you know. Just you know, qualifying for the World Cup, and you know, I think that was just the icing on the cake, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Those wonderful stadiums and, and Trinidad at the time being the smallest country to qualify. The smallest country. Brilliant yeah. natural achievements as well. I mean, wonderful. It was. Um, you know, you can't really take anything away from it. To, to try to explain it, it's 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 so surreal because 
you know, it, it feels, it felt just like it was just yesterday. Yeah. You know, when you're looking back at it and, you know, I know it was about 14, 14, 15 years ago, it's that, you know, it was such a long time, you know, but it, it was really, it, it was something special. Like you, you, you just can't, if I do try to explain it, it, I might be lost for words, you know, we might be here all night, but, you know, going to, going to, going to Germany, it, obviously everyone, you know, welcome us really good. The Germans welcome us really, really well. You know, we settle in, you know, we, we had a few tours before we actually went to our main camp in um, Germany and things just progressed. And, you know, the support that we got from the Welsh community, from Wrexham, even obviously when I was at Luton, we got a few, you know, fans from there. And it was just something good. Yeah. You know, Joey, Joey with himself. I think he he turned he turned a Trinidadian overnight <laughs> just to so just, just because we were an England group. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, but it was all good. You know, it, you know, and and that's 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 the love that you get from the Wrexham faithful. You know, you, 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 you know, regardless of what, I am I'm still one of. You know, they welcome me into their home. And you know, I I hope I didn't disappoint. Certainly did. Hopefully, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later, one day I'll revisit. Yeah, yeah. That'd be wonderful. Well, you'd be be welcome to Wonderland, stars. I can promise you. And we, um, I can I can guarantee it wasn't just Joe who became Trinidadian for the summer. (laughs) Uh, He just moved into this house that summer. And all right. At the time, my son was about eight. And every day when we got back in, uh, from, we got back from school, we'd be playing the, the previous day's World Cup matches on our backyard. Yeah, yeah. He always had to be Carlos Edwards. <laughs> yeah. I generally was at Sancho and I had to watch out the neighbour didn't reach over and pull my hair. Yeah, yeah, uh, pull the hair. <laughs> but we were all Trinidadian that summer, I promise you. It was wonderful. Oh, that was good. That was good. And can I just say, Carlos, because I'll let you go now, but I've just got to say, um, a huge thank you, not just for what you did on the pitch, but also you, Hector, Dennis, Josh Johnson came later, Clayton oh, Inns yeah. played for us a little bit, Marvin Andrews played for us later oh, on. Yeah. All of you guys enriched not only our club, but you enriched our town. Uh, you, you, you gave, you broadened our horizons and you gave us um, something to be very, very proud of. And... Uh, Something which, in a way, hasn't happened before or since until the shock of the new owners coming in and yes. <laughs> paying attention to our little town. So, for every aspect, cultural and sporting, Carlos, you are someone the town is proud of, and you will be welcome back. I promise you, any day of the week. Thank you very much. Thank you for, and I will hopefully, when all this, you know, I hope everyone stays safe, obey the rules, and. You know, because without us obeying the rules, that's the only way we can eradicate this COVID. And I would like to say to the Wrexham fans themselves, you're still my favourite. still love you guys. And hopefully sooner rather than later, I will come and revisit the race course and grace my present with you guys. And so that would be absolutely wonderful. Can I... I can't tell you how much a pleasure it's been. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you, Carlos. The other side, you're listening to the Dragon Heart Radio.
Well, Carlos Edwards there, an absolute star and a legend. Fantastic to catch up with him. And, and good as well to hear uh, some of his recollections of that 2006 World Cup campaign that Jay was mentioning earlier. So Jay, let, let's, let, let's, let's remember the time when our other team qualified for the World Cup. Yeah, I remember the buzz around the town. Yeah. It was like, because Wales, I think from... Well, Wales were a poor side at that time, weren't they? And they, our national team, there was no real vibes. Like they, they were playing in the Millennium Stadium in front of three, four thousand people, so it was hard for Welsh fans to get behind someone, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. At that time, and then when Dennis Lawrence, I believe, scored the goal that got That's them right. into the World Cup yeah. too, which was a huge thing. Yeah. He was our first. He was our first player. To play in the World Cup, wasn't he? He was playing with us at the time. Yes, that's exactly correct, yeah. So, yeah, what a tremendous feat. And he will always be remembered that for that. Even if we do go up the leagues and have several in the future, mm. he will always be known as the first guy. And it was a, quite a special time, wasn't it? Fantastic. I, I, I've still got a picture in my head of that Lawrence goal against Bahrain in a playoff to qualify. Diving header, cracking diving header by Dennis. And yeah, it was just fantastic to be thinking, we've got a Wrexham player at the World Cup here, you know, it's not something that we normally expect to see happen. <laughs> and that fairy tale as well of, it's with it's fortunate dad, which is ideal for us because we've created that relationship yeah. with them. Um, and like I said at the start of the podcast, the fairy tale of them being uh, the, uh, the smallest team at that time to ever get to the World Cup. Iceland now have qualified they're smaller yeah but in terms of population Trinidad and Tobago by some distance was the smallest country to get to the World Cup and it was fantastic in that respect yeah 100% and the players they produced in history you know Dwight York you're talking a Premier League yeah, yeah. hero aren't yeah, you yeah. a legend you're talking that team that squad was a very good squad actually Shaka Hislop uh, yeah. Carlos Edwards uh, who else was who else was on there? I can't quite. Stern think. John. Stern John. Yeah, Remember Marvin him. Andrews. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Some Brett Sancho. Exactly. Some actually some really really good players. And Chris Birchall from Port Vale, who had never been to Trinidad, <laughs> <laughs> but somehow had some weird relationship with somebody who had been to Trinidad and got someone got himself selected. And that's quite a funny read interviews of him. That's quite a fun story. That is. It's just such a fantastic thing for him. He's, he's chuffed. And it was just, it was just absolutely amazing. Like Kenwin Jones, people like that. And yeah, yeah. The, that first game they had, and I remember all everyone came to my house, family, and we all watched the the Sweden game together. And it was yeah. like a big thing. It was like it was really weird. It was like this country in the Caribbean, all across the way, across <laughs> the planet. And, they were like it's like they were representing us. Yeah. Like we were singing and they got a draw, nil nil, and that was mm. fantastic result against a pretty okay Sweden type. Strong side Sweden, yeah. and uh, that's you know hugely impressive, isn't it? That yeah. to achieve that, um, and that set them up, of course, for playing against England. Now there's a game that Wrexham fans would want to see Trinidad win. Well, yeah, especially in our household. My dad was um, <laughs> my dad's English, and. We were all wearing Trinidad and Tobago shirts and we had Trinidad and Tobago flags and I remember us shoving him in the corner and we had the it was you know, it was all all in good nature of course. He was finding it funny and they obviously won two 0 but I remember I, I, I sure I remember Trinidad and Tobago scoring a goal that got disallowed. And it was just crazy to see Dennis Lawrence marking these England superstars and the yeah. fun there was a hilariously funny photo online of 
Dennis Lawrence and Peter Crouch going up for a header against <laughs> each other. It was like tall man versus extremely tall man. It was yeah, but Peter brilliant. Crouch, a man who of course is yeah thinks he can do podcasts, but only because he hasn't seen ours yet. Um, and he's hated in Trinidad and Tobago, isn't he? Because of that goal. Yeah. Because as I alluded to when I was talking to Carlos, it should have been disallowed. Yeah. Brett Sancho goes up for the header, and Crouch grabs his hair yanks it down and gets above him and scores with the header. Um, it's a foul. I understand the ref not seeing it, but that's, a, that's an underhand move that, and if that had been spotted, well, that game's still alive. Yeah, it was a, it was a competitive game, wasn't yeah, it, for yeah. the most part? Yeah. And fair play to Trinidad and Tobago, this really small country in the Caribbean, which is, I know it's predominantly, a, you know, it's, it's about a football country, they play a lot of cricket there as well, yeah, it's yeah. not really known for its football. Mm. Going toe-to-toe with the giants of football, yeah. England, it's so commendable. It's, it was so amazing to see, wasn't it? Exactly. And then that really impressive draw they got against Sweden means they go into their last game against Paraguay still with a chance of qualification, doesn't it? Yeah. And they, unfortunately, they lost. Yeah. And that yeah. was the end of their World Cup fairy tale, really. And it was, it was, fa- it was fantastic. What, what was your thoughts leading into it? It was just, it was, it was like, I, like you said, I think the Dennis Lawrence thing and the Carlos Edwards yeah. thing dominated it for me. It was nice as well because they'd been terribly unfortunate the previous time round where they played the USA at home in the last qualifier and I think they needed a draw to get through and that was going to be a fairy tale, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. And, well, it's a game which has gone down sort of quite scandalously in some senses. Um, because the, the, the crowd at the Hasty Crawford Stadium apparently was much more than capacity auto allowed for reasons that uh, weren't good. We all know about Mr Warner being ahead of the Trinidad FA and the allegations that he'd given his son tickets to sell despite the fact it was already sold out so they created a quite dangerous situation to make money for themselves. That's an allegation. Um, and anyway, they lost one nil to I think it was I remember correctly it was John Harks hitting the sort of uh, sort of one in a million long range shot, and they and they so they were so close before, and you sort of think that dream is gone now, but then it does happen after all, and yeah, yeah, I I I, I don't know, I, 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 that sounds odd this, but in some ways I remember the, the that Bahrain game more. It was live on Eurosport. I remember sitting there watching it. <laughs> Come on, Dennis. <laughs> Weirdly, I sort of remember that more. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, they you must have made an impact on me if I was one to watch Trinidad play Bahrain. You could say that as a, <laughs> I know it's, he wasn't playing for Wrexham um, when he's playing for Trinidad and Tobago, obviously. But you'd say it's an iconic Wrexham moment in some ways, yeah, that could yeah, you? Yeah, that's a fair comment. Yeah, yeah. he's and uh, with an iconic Wrexham player, Dennis Lawrence. You can yeah. you think of cult heroes, you think of Dennis Lawrence, really, yeah, don't you? Yeah. You think of legends, you think of him, and it was just. An amazing moment. It was an amazing time. It was a fantastic World Cup as well. Yeah. The G- Germans did a fantastic job, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And the, you know, Carlos and Dennis, yeah, got to play with the support of the yellow wall at Dortmund against Sweden as well, which yeah. has got to be a, a memory to take away. Fantastic, that isn't it? Oh, for all of them, you know, yeah. for all of that team, and they were such a likable team. And I think even some of the English fans, um, sure, was it? One of them was playing for Coventry. I forgot who it was at the time, but they were back in. Was it Stern John that he played for Coventry at the time? Yeah. 
but they, they were getting back behind him. I think everyone, yeah. they were a likeable team. That's, that's the beauty of the World Cup, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That teams like this can get in and play against the mighty giants of England, Germany, Italy. It, it's it's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. A little mention maybe for the players who played for Wrexham and played in the World Cup, but not when they were Wrexham players. Carlos Edwards, yeah. first off. Marvin Andrews yeah. as well. Um, Ron Hewitt. It was uh, local and played, made his name at Wrexham, a, w- a quick goal-scoring winger who then moved on to Swansea and then was selected in the 1958 World Cup squad that got to the quarter-finals and was a key player, first-team player for Wales. Um, also, a chap who's uh, he's still going up in Hartlepool, lovely fella, Alan Fox, who in the 50s and 60s played a hell of a lot of games for Wrexham, a real mainstay, and was a classy, by all accounts, half-back who was selected for the, the the long squad for the 58 World Cup, right. but then wasn't taken. So that we nearly got a player in that team that got to the quarterfinals wow. in 58, sadly, and Ireland didn't quite make it. Um, and then, oh, there was also, um, oh, I forgot his name. There was an Australian bloke who played like one game for us, who <laughs> went as a sort of third choice keeper, I think, for in the 70 World Cup for Australia. I think. I may be dreaming that. Last <laughs> night I was dreaming that I, I had my A-levels tomorrow and I hadn't done the second year of them and I was really worried. So my dreams can sometimes seep into reality. Was your A-level an Australian goalkeeper? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the trouble of Australian goalkeepers if they throw the ball out and it comes straight back at them. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Sorry. I'm here all week. Actually, I am. um, But the classic story, have I mentioned this before, is a man whose name is nearly Rob McElhenney, who was playing for America. I don't think that... Yes, yes, you've told me this before, or maybe he's off air. I can't remember if it was on air or not. Do I go for it? Go on, go for it. Ed McElhenney plays for Wrexham after the Second World War. He's Scottish. And... He is not a success. He plays eight games for us in the 19, between 1946 and 48. So he's with us for two seasons. He only gets to play eight games. He is not a success. We release him. And two years later, he pops up again because the USA have qualified for the World Cup in 1950. The USA team has a bit of a cobbled together look to it. I mean, they've qualified, to be fair. But they are, there aren't that many actual Americans in the team. Right. There were a lot, the American domestic scene was a bit more healthy than people here give it credit for in those days. Um, he'd gone over and played in America and they naturalized a few players to play for them. Um, so these basically, like McIlvenny, tend to be people who've come from Britain, have failed to break into the football league have emigrated and then um, you know, playing alongside whatever job they're doing in America. So McIlvenny has got that background. He's captain of the USA. So an ex-Rexham reject, two years later, is Captain America <laughs> in the World Cup. And they play England. Now, this is the England of Stanley Matthews, Stan Mortensen. This is the England side playing in the World Cup for the very first time. And let's not forget, a big part of this is because England, when the World Cup started in 1930, weren't even members of FIFA because they thought that other countries playing football was a bit beneath them. 
wow. because well, obviously we invented the game and we are better than all these foreigners playing football. So and this, I gotta be up, you know, it's full Sim- similar thoughts to this day and age as well. Maybe so, although, <laughs> <laughs> although full disclosure, it wasn't just England; it was Wales, Scotland, and Northern right, Ireland okay. as well. So you know, we all thought, well, we're British. Yeah. Why on earth would we play foreigners? Um, so it was assumed, well, we just win the World Cup. Why bother turning up? We refused to join FIFA. Um, because at first there were no European teams who had agreed to go to the 1930 World Cup in Uruguay. Um, there were a lot of efforts to grovel and the first teams that went to the British teams and please come, please lend the World Cup some legitimacy. And all the British teams just absolutely refused. Uh, in the end, four European teams play because a boat picks them all up around the Mediterranean and <laughs> chugs its way with the players on and goes that down. That could there. have been a missed opportunity for one of the home nations to win the World Cup. Oh, 100%. Really. Yeah, yeah, Wales could have won the 1930 <laughs> World Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, England finally decide 20 years after that we will join the World Cup. And they go along expecting to win it because, well, we are England. They haven't been battered by Hungary yet. And their assumption is they are by far the best team in the world. They play the USA, captained by Ed McIlvenny, the Wrexham reject. Wow. And the USA win 1-0. Wow. Hugo Gittens scores the winning goal, a man who was a taxi driver, who depressingly, I quite like the human side of things, after he retires, goes back to his native country, Haiti, to drive his taxi, and disappears as part of the whole um, um, baby dock repression in Haiti at the time. Something happened, nobody knows what. But um sorry it'd be depressing then. But yeah, so we've got a really bizarre link to the World Cup. And what one of or maybe the greatest ever upset in the history of the World Cup, uh, a Wrexham reject captains that team. And as a result of it, believe it or not, typical British, I, I would say there's maybe typical people. Having previously said we are too good, now they react the other way and say, Oh my gosh. The USA must be fantastic. So some of that American team actually gets signed by English teams there, including McIlvenny, who, wait for it, signs for Man United. Wow. So McIlvenny goes from Wrexham rejects to captain of the USA beating England to Man United player. The trouble is, he was never all that good. So he plays, I think it's four games for Man United, and that's that. Wow. But what a bizarre That's a great story. story. Yeah, so yeah. we've got a link to the World Cup, but... It's a weird sort of round the back door <laughs> until it gets to Dennis Lawrence, who yeah. then is our real true yeah. World Cup yeah. legend. Dennis Lawrence, <laughs> two thousand and six. Neil Taylor and Jordan Davis, twenty twenty two. There's my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> and Torquay will not win the league this year, which now is looking like a very clever prediction. Yes, I think we only won last <laughs> yeah. night from the recording. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, don't let reality creep into this. <laughs> I'm enjoying my predictions. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, uh, that's our Trinidad special, I reckon. The most heavily anticipated podcast in Rexman, Port of Spain. Exactly, uh, yeah. yeah. People are going to be talking about this from generations. I think absolutely right. The Soccer Warriors uh, will have this as their greatest memory. Yeah. With the World Cup games coming up. Uh, Close second. It'll be like their Christmas special. It'll be coming round yeah. every year and everyone will be listening <laughs> yeah. to it. That's so. it. We are very much the Morecambe and Wise of Trinidad and Tobago football podcasting <laughs> Brilliant. Really enjoyed this one though, Mark. Excellent. Nice well, to look back. Absolutely. It's fantastic. And if the Trinidad and Tobago tourist agency after COVID want to give us a free holiday, 
you know where to get in touch with us. <laughs> <laughs> so remember, chaps, subscribe to all that Wrexham Media team goodness, all those podcasts and YouTubes. Uh, it all helps the club. Click your notifications. Make sure you don't miss out on stuff. And with that, yeah, I reckon it's time to, to finish off. Thank you, Che, as always. Brilliant to, to be yeah. working with you. Yeah, I've really enjoyed this one, Mark. It was nice to... Now, we we didn't have a game this week, so it was nice to look back and look back at uh, in what I'd say is a really important part of Wrexham culture and Wrexham history. Absolutely right. And what other appropriate way could that be to finish a podcast discussing Trinidad and Tobago than the Jay Harris... I don't know. Hollywood send off. We <laughs> <laughs> don't just throw this together, you know. This is Jay Harris, and you're listening to Dragon Heart Radio. <laughs>